0: Chapter 14. She Alone Can Stop It. While it wasn't as disturbing as my normal nightmares, I knew there was more to it than what I had seen. My stomach felt sour, my head heavy. I lifted myself off the bed, propping myself on the edge. Eventually, I stood and walked up to the kitchen. My mother turned when she heard the door to the basement open. She sat at the table the kettle on the stove heating up water. Her eyes were puffy, her face stained with tears. The dream momentarily vanished, replaced with a sudden surge of empathy. Mom? I asked, taking a seat next to her. She took a deep breath, silent until she could formulate what she wanted to say. When she finally did, the words seemed to have to force their way out of her. Amy? Your dad and I are getting a divorce. Nothing about this news was surprising. I expected as much for as long as I could remember. After all, they already acted like they were. But my stomach was still in not seeing her this way. I wanted to tell her good. I wanted to say that this was the best thing for everyone involved. But instead, I reached across the table and took her hand. I'm sorry, Mom. The edges of her mouth flickered into a small smile. I didn't expect to feel so sad, so nostalgic about it, she said quietly. The kettle started to whistle, and she stood and made herself a cup of tea, going through the motions like any other night. We sat together in silence as she drank her tea. There was relief in her hush. She didn't need to put it into words. I want to stay here with you, I said after a while. Then you will. She looked up at me and smiled. A tear fell down my mother's cheek. I picked up her teacup, offering to refill it. She gratefully accepted. As I tipped hot water over the teabag, I said, You're too good for him. She turned and looked at me sadly. You are, I said, bringing the cup back over to her and placing it down taking her hand and squeezing it in the process, trying to put all the love into it that I couldn't seem to put into words. She smiled and squeezed back. Good night. I love you. I walked toward the basement door. I love you too, honey. I'm sorry, she said. There's nothing you have to be sorry for, I said, letting it linger in the air for a moment before walking back downstairs and into my room. My alarm went off what felt like five minutes later. I groaned and climbed from bed. A delicious scent made its way downstairs, wafting into my room. Mom was making breakfast. It helped wake me up and climb into my clothes faster than usual. Smells good, Mom, I said a few minutes later, stepping through the corridor from the basement. She turned to me. Thanks, honey. I thought it was the least I could do after dropping that bomb on you last night. She offered me a plate and I readily accepted, hungrier than I usually was in the morning. Magnet climbed up the stairs from the basement, slowly stepping into the kitchen, clearly not as awake yet as either my mom or myself. I slid open the porch door for him and he clomped down the stairs, making his way into the backyard. I sat down at the table, my mother sitting across from me. I stared at the food on my plate my feelings about my father bubbling up inside me, pushing tears out of my eyes. My mom reached a hand toward mine. You want me to call the school? She asked, in that tone mothers get when you have a fever. I could even call out of work. We could play hooky, she said, smiling, a glint in her eye. No. Can't shut out the world just because something bad happens. I sighed. Plus, if I don't show up, I'm sure Tony will start some rumor about how it's because we had a fight the other night in the parking lot. I rolled my eyes. Ah, yes. High school. The battlefield. It only has that weight if you allow it to, I said, shrugging. When did you get so wise? She asked, shaking her head at me. I wouldn't say I'm wise about school. Don't confuse wisdom with annoyance. I winked, laughing. We finished our food quietly. I walked across the kitchen and turned to ask my mom something, but stopped before I got it out. Her energy shifted, becoming melancholy. Her shoulders rose slowly, trembling as they moved. She was desperately trying to keep from crying. For the first time, I realized I'd always severely underestimated her. She was strong. She loved my father despite his intolerably ignorant decisions. She wanted everything to work out. She worked so hard to hold it all together. She turned back to me and I could see the last 17 years written all over her face. She was exhausted, and yet she still smiled, walking over to me and placing a soft kiss on my forehead. "'I'm off. I have to be in the Boston office today.' She squeezed my shoulder, picked up her phone and keys, then walked out of the house. Magnet's bark echoed from the yard. I turned to see him running along the periphery of the wood, barking. He turned and looked up at me, as if trying to tell me something, then turned back and kept barking. I opened the porch door and stepped down the stairs, Magnet's bark ricocheting off the trees. He planted his front legs and continued, getting more and more worked up as the seconds ticked by. "'Magnet!' I shouted, but it provoked no response. "'Hey!' I continued yelling as I ran across the yard toward him. Then, as if whatever he was enamored with had disappeared, he simply stopped barking and sat down, staring up at me. My gaze shifted from him to the woods a few times. Nothing moved. The trees stood barren covered in white dusting come on i ushered him ahead of me and he took off back toward the house he ran up the steps and i started jogging to keep up my gaze settled from where magnet waited on the porch to the yard in front of me i stopped dead in my tracks a young man in faded cargo cutoffs and an off-white long-sleeve shirt stood by the back entrance to our basement I did a double-take, hoping I was seeing things. No such luck. He stood there, staring at me, saying nothing. Like a weirdo. He looked vaguely familiar, but I couldn't place him. Hey! I called, and though he looked in my direction, he didn't acknowledge that I'd spoke. I called again, walking toward him. Not paying attention to my feet, I stepped out of the thick, mushy snow onto an ice-gilded patch. Reminiscent of something out of a physical comedy sketch, my foot flew out from underneath me, and suddenly all I could see was sky. I landed hard, my arms splaying out into the wet mush. Ugh. I hate icy patches. My clothes clung to my body, stinging my skin with cold. I stood, trying to shake off the excess. I lifted my eyes expecting to see the guy. But he was gone. I looked around and saw no footprints. Dude, what the hell? I trudged back inside where Magnet stood patiently by his bowl, eagerly awaiting breakfast. I passed by the kitchen table, only to find William's journal sitting there, spine-cracked wide open. I absentmindedly grabbed the bin with Magnet's food in it and filled his bowl never looking away from the journal, then crossed the kitchen to a closet next to the stairs where we kept an array of items, among them an old baseball bat. For safety. I gripped the smooth wood, holding the bat up to my face, ready for anything. I checked the living room. Nothing. Mom's room. Nothing. Bathroom. Nothing. I stood in front of the stairs down to my room. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. It suddenly seemed like they descended forever. My ears rang, blood pounding. I stepped down one, two, three until I was at the bottom. Nothing moved. No sounds, no rustling. Nothing. No one laid in wait in the den area or in my bedroom or my bathroom. Nothing. The house was empty except for Magnet and me. What is going on? I checked the back door, then went upstairs to check the front. No sign of any kind of forced entry, though, to be fair, the porch door had been wide open. Everything seemed to be in its right place. Nothing new was written in William's journal, at least not that I could tell. I looked up at the clock, realizing that if I didn't leave, I'd never make it to school on time, Then again, you never really do, Clark." I was surprised, however, to find that I managed to get there with about five minutes to spare. As I walked toward Homeroom, I could tell the rumors and stories from the movies were already flying about. I walked by a group of girls, deep in gossip. "'Did you hear that Amy Clark, like, assaulted Tony Sumter at the movies?' Oh, please, she punched me in the face," I mused internally. I cleared my throat as I passed them, and they jumped and ran in the other direction as if they'd catch something from me if they stuck around any longer. I rolled my eyes as I strode into homeroom two minutes early. Mr. Wright looked up and smiled. Good morning, Miss Clark. Right on time today, I see. You act as if it's the first time, I replied, smiling back. I headed toward my desk and saw that Tony hadn't made it to homeroom yet. But her little group, had. They stared at me, daggers in their eyes, smiles sadistic, and I took my seat silently, laughing to myself. But as their whispers and cruel laughter seemed to build, my usual nonchalant carelessness was replaced with a deep emptiness in my chest. The back of my eyes grew hot, and it was suddenly considerable work to keep the snide smile on my face. I was hoping it alone could push my tears back down, I had a lot of emotional life bubbling up inside me, and if Tony or her friends pushed me over the edge today, it wasn't likely to be pretty. As if on cue, she entered homeroom, stopping, a little dramatically, when she saw me. I swallowed the lump in my throat, the emotions burning in my chest, and smiled up at her. She walked over to me, purposefully hitting me with her bag as she passed. I whipped around to say something but a steady hand on my shoulder stopped me. I turned. Morning, Amelia. William smiled. Hi, I said softly, actually quite grateful he'd stopped whatever could have happened. Nice shiner, Clark. Where'd you get it? Tony's voice came from the back of the room. Look at me. Say nothing, William whispered so that only I could hear. The tension in my body threatened to explode but I did as he asked. Hey, she's talking to you, Clark. Karsten, one of Tony's friends, said. Her snide tone cut into me. William gave a small shake of his head. Keep looking at me. You have bigger fish to fry. Your universe is far more vast than hers. Let her get riled up. It has nothing to do with you. He winked. Hello, Tony snapped her fingers as her remark smacked me. William's smile grew. I turned to Tony. I can hear you, Tony. I just don't care. The bell rang and I walked from the room. I felt a hand grab my wrist and whip me around, pulling me into the bathroom. At first I thought it might be William, but it was Tony's stare that met mine. She looked around to make sure we were alone. What do you want, Tony? I asked, exasperated. "'What was that? You ignore me now when I talk to you?' Her voice was void of any affectation she typically used to make it sound slightly higher. She suddenly sounded like... Well, she suddenly sounded like my old friend. My face scrunched in confusion. "'I'm sorry, is it all that shocking?' "'Look, you win. Congratulations.' Just leave me alone, and I'll leave you alone. I thought that was what you wanted. I turned to leave. Clark, her voice stopped me, and I turned back. No matter what you think, T, I know you. I know you better than your little clan of friends out there. I know you better than Kyle did. Certainly better than Jimmy does. Jimmy was her boyfriend. I know you. And you can convince people that you're something else all you want? But you know you too, and you can't hide from that. Tears sprang to her eyes. You can look in the mirror and ignore her, but the truth is, there's a good person in you. I shrugged. You're just choosing not to see her right now. Take a hard look next time. Think about getting to know her instead of shutting her out. If memory serves, she was pretty cool. I turned and flung the door open marching into the hallway without a care to look back at the silence I left in that bathroom. I couldn't focus on chemistry and spent the time idly sketching in my notebook. My teacher asked me more than once to answer questions on the periodic table, and more than once—okay, every time—I got the answer incorrect. But honestly, at this point school felt more like a formality than anything I could actually use especially considering the histories I was quickly learning. When we started talking about mixing certain elements and what they could produce, I couldn't take the droning anymore. Raising my hand, I was excused to the bathroom. It's not like I'd get any of the answers right anyway. My sneakers pounded across the linoleum as I rushed to the bathroom, and I ripped the door open, letting it slam behind me. Running my hands under the cool water, I immediately felt better then cupped my palms together and splashed some onto my face. A shadow covered the bathroom window. I shook my hands and grabbed a paper towel to clear the water from my eyes. The guy from my yard earlier stood on the other side of the window, staring in at me. I jumped back, stifling a scream with my hand. He stared at me with blank eyes, a vacant expression, like only his body was in front of me and nothing else. Tearing from the bathroom, I bounded down the hallway, threw open a side door, and stepped out into the cold. He stood there, waiting, watching. What the heck, you freak? Who are you? His answer was his silence, and he just turned and began to walk away. Hey, no, come back here. Hey, I shouted, following him. I didn't know how he could move so fast when walking. I was jogging and couldn't catch up. He made his way to the middle of the lot, moving with a drifting swiftness, as if his feet were barely even touching the ground. He stopped between the rear bumpers of a gleaming white Range Rover and a small, half-rusted hatchback. If that's not a metaphor for Harper Falls. He stood still as stone, as if waiting for me to reach him. When I did... I didn't even have time to cross around the front of him. He suddenly spoke with a voice so booming the very ground beneath us seemed to rumble. The earth will cry, the skies will bleed, and she alone can stop it. Just as the final words passed his lips, a crack of lightning filled the sky behind me, the sound piercing my skull. I turned expecting to see dark, swirling clouds rolling in. But there was nothing but the slightly gray-tinged sky of a New England winter. When I turned back, the guy was gone. The surprise physically knocked me back, my right leg seeming to lose all feeling and giving way beneath me. After regaining my footing, I began turning around slowly, looking for him. Maybe he just went over here or over there, but he was nowhere to be found. I stood alone in the parking lot for a second before the chill of the temperature outside hit me. I wrapped my arms around myself, goosebumps running across my skin, and started back toward the school. My mind whirred, and a familiar tension grew in my chest. I shook my arms out, trying to distract myself, and took simple, deliberate breaths. Then the side door flew open, William bounding out as though he was being chased.